0: So let's let's settle into our posture for this time. We'll just begin the practice with attending to the posture so making any adjustments that are needed. So that the body is as supported, as stable, as grounded, balanced as possible. Might be through the sensations of contact between the body and that which supports it. such as the seat or the mat or the ground From that that groundedness, and to open the awareness out. Sometimes it can feel as if we're stretching the awareness, expanding it. If you're with the body, it might be that you're stretching the awareness out to the whole body and a little bit larger than the body. In the sense of a bubble or cocoon of awareness. If you're using sound, you're stretching the awareness out through the realm of sounds. Perhaps the further sounds that you can hear. Either way, we're opening awareness, and we're opening to that sense of expansive, wide, sensitive awareness. And so one thing we'll keep doing through the practice is to see if we can keep the awareness wide and expansive. To that cocoon or bubble that's just a little bit larger than the body, or to the further sounds. And that actually might be enough for some of us, just having that as the primary object of attention, just to keep opening the awareness because its natural habit is to get smaller. And when it's open, when it's wide, to just dwell in that sense of expansiveness and spaciousness. For some of us that might be Enough For others it might be helpful to have um, a kind of secondary object like the breath or sound or metaphrases or any other form of metapractice. So you might need something a little bit more specific. But in that case also that's appearing, that's being known within this wide space of awareness. just take some time to establish that gently keeping the awareness wide if you're working with a more particular object within awareness gentle attention with the breath or the sound or the matter. as we're practicing, we're also interested and sensitive to the appearance of dukkha. We might notice it, actually just notice it as a contraction in that space of awareness or in the body. Or we might become aware of it through some movement of distraction. Whether it's into fantasy or some discomfort in the body. Something that's happening through the sounds or a thought pattern, just noticing, ah, there's distraction. And when we notice distraction, when we notice that there is dukkha with it, interested to see, bringing interest to see, there's craving here, arising with it. And how do I see it? How do I find it? Through the contraction. In awareness or in the body. And what we're playing with during this practice is seeing if we can directly ease the craving. Therefore ease the dukkha through the relaxing of contraction, through the easing of contraction. That's what we're interested to see. So it may be that we do this just by opening awareness again. Might be enough. Softening awareness again. It might be that we do this through relaxing the body, inviting it to relax, either around a particular area, say so if there's body pain, or through the whole body. And it might be that we do this through changing our relationship to the phenomena and emphasizing a letting it be. Perhaps even using that light noting, dukkha, because of the contraction. Not looking for Dukkha, but if it arises, it might be very subtle. Just turning our attention, our interest towards it. Opening to see if we can feel contraction anywhere in awareness or in the body. Attending to it in this way, one of these ways. Staying with that for as long as it feels fruitful and interesting, not rushing back to the object. Also listening for any degree of relief and release that comes as contraction releases even for a moment and taking time to dwell in that release, in that relief. Maybe may be that one appearance of dukkha in contraction is followed by another one. And we can choose whether to stay with the first one or to move. It may be that we explore a particular contraction for a while and then that actually dissolves. And then we can come back to the wide awareness and a particular object if we were using one. We just keep repeating this, easing and relaxing our relationship whenever we notice any contraction, craving or clinging whenever we notice any dukkha. So a few um, words about how to uh, continue with this practice um, through the day. So you can have this as a primary practice, a little bit like we were doing now, like really being sensitive um, either just to the appearance of contraction at any point, but actually that's what we're listening for. Yeah? We're kind of in the awareness and we're sensitive to the, ah, there's contraction here. And well, then we're working with that. Or through working with a different um, uh, object and then uh, working with this um, type of practice, working with a contraction when distraction arises. Yeah? So that can be, we can do either one of those um, through the day and of course also do neither. Yeah? Always a possibility um, to do something else. Um, and then, when we notice the contraction, yeah, working with it skillfully to release it—in one of the ways um, we've been describing, yeah, that just the opening the space of awareness, yeah, the um, letting be yeah, in relationship to the phenomena, dukkha because of the contraction, yeah, or the invitation to relax uh, the body, the space of awareness—one of these ways. We can also, of course, this also very much applies uh, to our walking practice. Yeah. Very much applies to our walking practice. Uh, because also when we're walking or moving, um, we uh, get distracted, for sure. Uh, and we also can be aware of uh, contraction. Yeah. And for some of us, I don't know if anybody's noticed that, actually in the movement in the world, uh, actually that spaciousness of awareness might be more, uh, more accessible for some of us yeah, than in the stillness postures. Yeah. So that might be the case and then that's, that's a really good base for the noticing contraction arising. So we can play with that also in the movement or walking um, practice. Be also sensitive, yeah, Uh, this can be a a very beautiful practice, and as I said, we want to also see the sense of relief that might come with it, and any sense of well-being. Sometimes there can be quite a lot of energy or even joy or well-being that arises. So, yeah, listen for that and enjoy it uh, when it arises. Other times there might be a sense that this is getting quite dry, yeah, or quite intellectual. So we need to kind of oil the system <laughs> yeah, if that happens. Uh, and it's completely normal if it does. It's not that you're doing something wrong. You just need to, ah, to notice and attend. How do we attend? Uh, we bring in a practice that kind of rejuvenates. Yeah. So it might be yeah, just doing breathing or sound or metta yeah, and, and letting go of that contraction work for that moment. Yeah, for some of us we might need to do that half the time. Um, we can just be attentive and play. Yeah, but just noticing if the practice feels like it's getting dry, mechanical, tight, um, that's one way of attending to it is just to, just to put it down for, for a little bit and prioritize uh, more what we've been calling the samatha practices or the samadhi practices, including metta. Just want to say a couple of words about. I mentioned yesterday that we can also bring uh, metta in as our primary practice. Yeah, and I just want to say uh, very briefly about how to do that in the walking. Yeah, we can also practice metta uh, in walking or movement. <coughs> yeah. So one way of doing it is that we may be uh, walking, standing, sitting, lying down somewhere. Uh, and we open our sense of awareness, and then whatever comes into <laughs> whatever being comes into awareness is known in awareness. We direct the metta to that, yeah. So it might be outside and we hear a bird, yeah. We just see a movement, and we know it might be a bird, it might be a butterfly. Um, don't need to identify who that is and where they've gone, we can just have a sense of metta flowing towards them, yeah. So that might be one way that we're doing it. It might be that we do it more methodically, just like we've been guiding the practices here. So um, if you're outside and maybe you're sitting somewhere and you're doing just a, a gentle movement somewhere in the body, um, but you have a sense of uh, someone there with you, yeah? you bring to mind, bring to heart somebody um, that you're directing the metta towards. Yeah, If you're doing walking, you can imagine that being uh, walking alongside you, or at the um, uh, at the end of your path, yeah, and you, are you know, moving with them or moving towards them, and you're holding them uh, in metta. I always smile at mine because I love doing that. <laughs> you end up this close, <laughs> yeah, with that sense of metta uh, kind of flowing. Like a very. Very beautiful. So, and of course also explore and find your own ways. These are just some possibilities. But just knowing, yeah, that we can bring uh, the meta practice also into uh, the non hall times. Yeah, let's define them that way. And of course also the in-betweens. Yeah, can't resist saying that. You know, we don't need to practice just when it's a formal practice time. Yeah, it can be really nice in the food queue, yeah to just be having a sense of sending, you know, kindness, yeah, or compassion or appreciation to, to those behind you or in front of you, um, or as you're walking through the house, moving through the house, just those that you pass, you know, uh, notice a pair of shoes somewhere <laughs> and just, uh, may that being, you know, be, uh, be free, you know, so whatever, uh, we can bring that kind of sense of playfulness uh, with that thread of practice. So time for uh, movement practice uh, in any form that takes for you, or uh, questions and response here um, in our multi, uh, multi-existing halls, uh, so take a few moments to see people to feel if they want to stay or go, and then we'll begin.